Good morning. Welcome to the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island on the first Sunday of Advent. It's a joy to have you with us. Before we start, I have a few announcements to make. We love to welcome visitors, especially our first-time visitors. So if you're here for the first time, we would love for you to recognize you and welcome you, and we have a small gift for you so you can remember us by. So do we have any first-time visitors? I don't see any. Good. Glad you're all here. <clears throat> Should you need a restroom, there's a restroom through this door on my right, your left. There are friendship registers in each pew. Please look for those right now. We'd like for you to sign those so we can know that you're here. Plus, if you're a visitor, we would like to reach out to you, so leave some contact information for us. So please sign those when you can. Thank you. The nursery is over in the ministry center and welcomes children ages six and under at any time during the service. If you haven't had your photo made for our directory, we're updating the directory. See Bess Kellett after the service today. She would love to get a snapshot of you so we can have your new picture in our in our directory. Please make sure you pick up your Advent devotional. I think the worship committee is handing those out on the front porch, so make sure you get that before you leave today. The men's breakfast will meet again this coming Saturday at 8 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. All men are welcome. Next Sunday is Brunch Bunch at Panavino. If you'd like to attend, please contact Bess Kellett by this Friday so she can make reservations. There are lots of upcoming dates for special Advent activities, so please check your flash email for more information on these and other upcoming events. Now we'll begin our worship with a prelude from the choir. Rejoice, rejoice. 
Make war and strife and quarrel cease. Let the bells ring out, let the whole world shout, oh come Emmanuel, come. Rejoice, rejoice, let the bells ring out, let the whole world shout, oh come, come Pretty awesome. <laughs> Please stand and join me in the call to worship that you'll find in your bulletin. <clears throat> Come, let's go together to God's mountain. Let's prepare for Christ's arrival. There's room for your story, too, for combined, all of our stories weave together and become the collective story of faith. We represent the vast variety, all one tapestry, and together we of God. Amen. Please be seated. Let us bow together for our opening prayer. Draw near to us, O God, even as we draw near to you. Open our hearts and minds to your presence and allow us to see the countless men and women who are a part of your story, who are indeed a part of our story. As we begin this story anew, prepare our lives to celebrate Christ's birth, even as we hope in these early days of Advent. Amen. Today and each Sunday of Advent, we will sing a verse of Come, Child of Light, before lighting the Advent candle. The choir will sing it for us the first time through, and then we'll join our voices together. Let us remain seated as we hear and then sing Come, Child of Light.
Over 100 people from the ages of 2 to 80 years old were asked the question, what gives you hope? From the voices of different generations, hear their answers. Birds chirping all around. Talking with young people. Kindness from strangers. Spending time in nature. Waffles. Hands clasped in prayer. Social progress. The way my son calls everybody, bro. The the ringing of church bells. Babies trying over and over to take their first step. The turning of seasons. Christian community. Books. Friendships with my adult children. Advocates for justice. Hearing children in the pews sing hymns. The sunrise every single morning. What gives you hope? Today we light the candle of hope to remind ourselves that God is at work in this world. From generation to generation, God has brought good news of love and compassion, justice and community. Let us rest and abide in that good news. Amen. May we all stand together now as we sing our first hymn, Through the Ages.
may be seated. In God's house, everyone is welcome. Those who seem like they have it all together and those who feel like their world might be falling apart. No matter who we are, there's room for us here. With that confidence, we turn to God in prayer, speaking the truth of our lives. So let us pray now responsively together as printed in the bulletin. God of today and God of tomorrow, you say bring your full self. There's room for you here. You say bring your hopes and your dreams. There's room for you here. You say bring your grief and your prayers. There's room for you here. God of today and God of tomorrow, we know in our hearts that there's room for us here. Help us remember today and tomorrow. Amen. Let us offer our prayers of confession in silence. Amen. Please stand for the assurance. Family of faith, we who feel scattered are held together. We who have lost our way are forgiven and found. And we who are lonely are brought into the fold and are told there's room for you here. From generation to generation, this is the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are held forgiven, found, and welcomed.
You may be seated. Please bow your head for the prayer of illumination. <clears throat> God of the ages, in scripture, we hear stories of people like us, ordinary people, people who long to know you, people who long to follow you, people who made mistakes, people who tried to grow old, young, native, immigrant, new to the faith, lifelong believer, in scripture, we hear stories of people like us. So just as you walked with them, help us to hear and remember all the ways that you walk with us. We are listening. We are grateful. We are yours. Amen. Our Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to invite any children present this morning to come forward for a time together. Good morning. Is everyone still sleeping this morning? You guys have had a whole week off of school. It's hard to get back into things and wake up early in the morning, isn't it? But I know you woke up at 10 a.m. yesterday. That was awesome. So it's a good reason, though, to get up and get here to church today because today is our first Sunday of Advent. And Advent not only starts the new church year, but a whole new season in the life of our church together, right? So during Advent, we call this a season of waiting. We're waiting for something. What are we waiting for? God, Christmas. God, Christmas? God, bingo. You guys got it. That's right, we're waiting for Christmas. We know what's going to happen, right? We know what's coming. But still, we wait. But while we wait, we're preparing ourselves. We're doing things to get ready for the coming of Christ. 
So if you just listen to Miss Anne reading the scripture, she read from the prophecy of Isaiah. And in that prophecy, Isaiah invited the people to come up to the mountain of the Lord. Now, what do you think that that means? What does it mean to come up to the mountain of the Lord? You have to know a little Old Testament history in order to understand that. So the people of Israel often thought that they would encounter God in really high places because when you ascend a mountain, when you go up a mountain, what, do you, what did they think that that was closer to? That's right. It was closer to heaven. So when they established the great city of Jerusalem, they picked the highest mountain in Jerusalem to build their temple. And what was the temple? Yeah, Judson? A pyramid? It wasn't a pyramid. But that's kind of the same idea, actually. They had the same idea to, to go up. The mountain, um, Zion, that they built the temple on, and the temple was where they gathered for worship. It's where they praised God. It's where they gave their offerings to God and made their sacrifices. So when Isaiah says, come up to the mountain of the Lord, he's saying, let's all come together for worship. Well, where do we do that today? Here, that's right. So it's kind of a metaphor for us saying, let's gather at church together. We're going to come together at church during these four weeks of Advent, and we're going to prepare as we wait for the birth of Christ. Now, our church does a couple of things to help us prepare, to help us get ready for Christmas. One of them we already did this morning. What did we do different in worship today? That's right. We lit the first candle in our Advent wreath, and it's the candle of hope. Because during Advent, even though we know Christ will be born at Christmas, we still have a lot of hope for what that birth means for our world. So there's a couple of other things that we do as we come together at church. One of them, I hope your family already picked up a copy. Did everyone get an Advent devotional? Yeah? Well, you need to pick one up. They're on a table right outside. These have readings and poems and songs and even recipes that we can do as a family to help get ready for Advent. So each day there's an activity as we come together. And the last thing I want to show you is this book. This book has prayers, but it has artwork in it. And here's the artwork for today's Sunday. Okay, this book is going to be in our prayer chapel, and each week you can take an opportunity to go into the prayer chapel, and you can look at the artwork, and here's the different people. The center rose represents Jesus. It does mean something, and guess what? The answer is on the second page. There it is, just for your help. So every week you can go into the prayer chapel and gaze upon the the artwork that tells a little bit more about our story, the scripture that we read each Sunday and read the devotional and say a prayer as we help each other get ready for Advent. Yeah, it is kind of like all the different people in heaven, and we're going to talk about all those different people today in the second scripture reading. So there might be other things that your family does too to help prepare for Christmas as you're waiting during Advent, and those things are really special and sacred too. But I hope that you will join us in the things that we're doing here at the church as we come together up to the mountain 
of the Lord each Sunday during Advent. Okay? Good. Let's have a prayer together. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, we thank you so much for this season of waiting, for we know what we're waiting for, and we know it's going to be great. Help us to prepare this Advent season for the coming once again of your child, our Savior, Christ the Lord. Amen. Boys and girls, thank you so much for your attention. You can return to your pew.
We turn now to the gospel according to Matthew, reading from the very beginning. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Aram, and Aram, the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Ruth, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, excuse me, and Obed, the father of Jesse and Jesse, the father of King David. King David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jehoniah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jehoniah was the father of Salathiel, and Salathiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abuad, and Abuad the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Ockham, and Ockham the father of Eluad, and Eluad the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathen, and Mathen the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, who bore Jesus, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Whew. That's a lot of names to read. But friends, these are not just random names. These are the family members who came before Jesus. 42 generations, 42 sets of relatives that as a whole constitute one big family from generation to generation. Now, I know some of these names you know, Abraham and his direct descendants through the tribe of Judah, which is one of the 12 tribes of Jacob. These stories we know and we love from the book of Genesis, when God did a new thing by making a covenant with a single family through Abraham, 
a family that was promised that they would become as many as the stars in heaven or as plenty as the grains of sand upon the earth. From Abraham, through a promise, this family would be wide and it would be encompassing. Despite brother tricking brother, as with Jacob and Esau, despite brother against brother, as we see with Joseph and his brothers, despite the subterfuge with Tamar, this was a family, warts and all. There were bad choices made. Difficult situations had to be overcome. And there were hurt feelings all around. Their stories today still intrigue us, and we teach them to our children because of what they teach us. That when it comes to family, there is no normal, right? Amen? We are each unique as families, as each and every person is a unique individual. Now, I know you probably know some of the names of the kings, too, in that second section of 14, certainly David and Solomon, who ruled over the unified Israel. For these kings and for all the others, we read about them in the books from Samuel through Chronicles. Maybe not our favorite books of the Bible, but still there for our edification. After Solomon, we learned that it was a tumultuous time for this family. Foreign powers and inner turmoil threatened to pull them apart, literally killing one another. Israel struggled as a nation. And this lineage of David tried to hold things together the best that they could, even though these individuals as unique and flawed as the 14 generations before them, made choices and made mistakes that didn't make their task any easier. Now the last 14 names are a little more obscure. Scholars call these individuals minor figures in our Bible as there's little to nothing known about them other than this familiar connection. That is until we get to Joseph, of course. Now, while the Bible does not record these stories of Joseph's ancestors, it doesn't mean that they didn't have any stories. And I'm sure you can imagine with me that their stories were just as full of blessings and woes and ins and outs and intrigue as all of the other generations that came before them. Today we begin this Advent And indeed, we begin the very story of Christ with this list of generations that calls to mind the stories that we know, stories that we are interested to learn more about as we discover who these people were, what made them special or not, and how it is that they came to make up the family background of our Savior the living Lord. These are the first words in the gospel according to Matthew. This is how we first encounter the birth of Christ. 
The birth of Christ begins not with this fanfare or angels declaring he is born, but the story of Christ begins with the stories of other humans. This family that's meant to be wide and encompassing. As many as the stars in the heaven or as many as the grains of sand upon the earth. It's their stories that set the scene. And over the next four weeks of Advent, we'll follow some of these stories, the stories of Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Elizabeth and finally the shepherds in the field and the kings that come to visit. Because without their stories, we don't get the full scope of Christmas. So this year, as we pay attention to these human stories, the characters in our narrative, let us hold a few questions before us as we read their stories. What does each person pass on or contribute? How did they participate in God's liberation and love? And what can we learn from them? What do we learn from these people? As Mary reminds us in her canticle in Luke's gospel, God's mercy is from generation to generation. And we are the ones today who still share these stories and through them learn more about God's mercy as we teach them to the next generation. So the final question that I want us to ponder this Advent as we read their stories is what then will we pass on to the next generation? You see that the theme this year referring to Mary's song is simply from generation to generation. Yet when we think about it, it's really not that simple at all. There's a history that's implied here and remembered as we stretch far back, all the way back to Abraham and his promise, as we recall the stories of all of those 42 ancestors and their immediate family who come before Christ. So there's history. And then there's the generation that we ground ourselves in with the Christmas narrative, the stories that we'll consider the next three Sundays of Advent, those that are in this narrative as wonderful and as flawed as they might be. And all of these stories, as the top of your bulletin reads, are woven together like a tapestry from past and present, and as we'll see, future. And all of these stories become the story of our faith, recalling how God shows up and works in and through our stories. But there's another aspect of faith and theology that's embedded deep within this theme too, beyond the individuals of the past and present, and it comes from that very word, generation. Generation. Think about if you know scripture in the King James Version. Think about this passage from Matthew as King James has it. Remember how it it goes? 
Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat Judah, and so on and so forth. It's called the begats because each person begats, begets another. So the root word of generation, just cut it down, is generate. And generate in its Latin origin means to birth, to bring forth. Abraham brought forth Isaac. Isaac birthed Jacob, and Jacob begat Judah. Our theme calls us to consider what we are doing to generate, to bring forward, to create anew. What are we generating? What are we creating? And what are we weaving into this tapestry? I think of it this way. What seeds of faith have others planted for me that have grown into something? And what seeds of faith am I planting for future generations? While there is definitely history included in our book of faith, I always hesitate to describe the Bible as a historic book. I could be swayed maybe to call it a living history, but at its heart, the Bible shares with us the story that God's work is always continuing to unfold. God is working through the lives of God's people to bring about God's goodness and our salvation. So the Bible is not simply a history of these people who lived yesteryear or even the history of God. The Bible is our story, showing us the ways that our lives and our histories and our actions and our faith are all interconnected. And I also believe the Bible does not end with John's vision on the island Patmos because these stories continue throughout our generation today. It's a living story. Like many of you all, this past week I traveled to be with family. My boys and I went to visit my grandmother, and this was our first visit since my grandfather had passed away, and while there was a profound sense of his absence all around us last week, we found that that hole was often filled by the stories of his living that we would share, memories that we recalled and the legacy that he left with us. My son, William Kelly, bears his name. And while they are very different people, they are unique and spirited in their own ways. I know that, in a way, my grandfather does live on through him, lives on through us. And during our trip, I had a little bit more understanding of the comment that's in our Advent devotional that we'll read this week together as we're going through the devotions. The Gospel passage uh, Dr. Christine Hong reflects on, and she says this, we are the hopes of those who've come before us. We are. And we live in hope for those who will come after us. We 
are the hopes of those who have come before us. And we live in hope for those who will come after us. I love that. This first Sunday of Advent is the season, is the, excuse me, is the Sunday of hope. We lit our hope candle and our Advent wreath and in this season of waiting, we hope that Christ will be born anew in our lives this Christmas. And hope is a powerful motivator. We asked as we lit the Advent wreath, what gives you hope? And I ask, you, I ask that you think about that this week. What gives you hope? Today, I am hope-filled that the story of our Savior is not an exclusive one. It includes these stories of those 42 generations that come before Jesus. It includes the stories that we will read as we continue to walk through this season of waiting that is Advent. And it includes your story. It includes my story. It includes the trauma and the triumph of all who God calls through the covenant of Abraham. And it extends to those in whom we place our hope for generations to come. So today we step back into this living history and we give thanks for the lives of those who preach the gospel for us. And we hope to see and experience God's mercy again as Christ's story continues to unfold before us generation to generation. May it be so. Amen. Our affirmation of faith this morning is written to go along with our gospel reading. I invite you to stand together as we affirm our faith using the words printed in your bulletin. We believe in a God who promised to Abraham, who wrestled with Jacob, who walked with Ruth, who spoke with Moses, who grieved with Bathsheba, who danced with David, who dreamed with Joseph, and who hoped like Mary. We believe in a God who has been loving, inviting, transforming, and challenging us from generation to generation. And we believe that same God is here with us now, saying, come on in, there's room for you here. Amen. You may be seated. May we together bow and unite our hearts in prayer. God of Abraham and Isaac, God of Tamar and Ruth, God of Mary and Joseph, we bow our heads today hoping to catch a glimpse or a shimmer of you and your mercy. We know that you are here with us just as you walked with every generation before us. And so in confidence, we bring our prayers to you. Thank you for creating space for us 
Thank you for seeing our scattered thoughts. Thank you for recognizing the fragments of doubt that are within us and still saying, come on in. Come to the mountain and be together. Thank you for seeing our ordinary selves with our anxious concerns and our unflattering habits and saying, I have big plans for you. Thank you for seeing our fragile egos and our uncertain or broken relationships and saying, you still belong here. Your expansive love makes room for us to breathe and we want to love with our lungs and our hearts full of your breath. So today we pray, teach us how to make that same room for others. When we come face to face with stories that are different from ours, show us how to add chairs to our tables. When we find ourselves face to face with stories that frustrate and test our patience, show us how to build bridges instead of walls. When we find ourselves face to face with stories that feel foreign or unrelatable, remind us to open the door and to listen fully. From Abraham to Mary, you made room for every story and that love continues to make room for us. Teach us to do the same for our neighbors so this world will know your love. With hope, we pray, using the words that your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue to worship God with our hearts open as we receive our morning's tithes and offerings.
Gracious God, we bring our gifts to you, but we bring much more than our earthly treasure. We bring you our stories. We bring you our very lives. Transform us through our giving that we may grow closer to you and help us to kindle and share your hope with others as generously as you have shared it with us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is Prepare the Way, printed in your bulletin or in the hymnal, page 13. As you leave this place, may you go knowing that from generation to generation, we have been claimed and loved. From generation to generation, God has been by our side. From generation to generation, we are not alone. The God of yesterday and the God of tomorrow knows you by name and loves you and calls you forth saying, go and be the person I've called you to be. Love wildly, do justice, and come back soon. May it be so. Amen. <laughs>